Good morning. It's good to be here at church, and there's nowhere else I'd rather be on a Sunday when gathering together to break bread, to hear from the Word, to have fellowship. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jenny, for that beautiful song that reminds us of our hearts are there. Our hearts should not be here in this world. They should be, our hearts should be in, on heaven, in heaven, and with the Lord, and He will carry us through each and every day of our lives. Shall we open in a word of prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, today we thank You for our Lord Jesus Christ, Your Son, who died on the cross for our sins, to give us eternal life, to give us that eternal hope that we will be with You forever, and that You can sing us all the way home, Lord, and see us all the way home. The journey, Lord, is not an easy journey we go through, but we thank You for Your presence with us, And we pray, Lord, and look forward to the time when you will say, come up here to be with me and look forward to it, Lord. We pray now that you will quiet our hearts before you and speak to our hearts through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit. Please hide me behind the cross, Lord, and pray that the message that you want to impart to every heart will be a personal message to each and every one. And so we thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a lot of people were disappointed when the Golden State Warriors won the Western Conference. They said they got lucky and they're disappointed because now Cleveland and, and, and Golden State are going to meet in the finals for the fourth straight year. But I like what, uh, what Draymond Green was saying, and he's very true, or, or, and I think was LeBron was actually saying that actually too. That if you want to have two different teams in the finals, then beat these teams so that your team can get in, right? That's what you want. But you have two very experienced teams meeting. They faced each other now. This is the fourth straight year. They know each other very well. I don't think they really like each other very well, but they respect each other very well. And if you want to know the reason, you can look back to game one. We had a little bit of extracurricular activities there, but... These are two experienced teams facing in the playoffs. And you hear a lot of times teams talk about having experience in the playoffs. And what does that really mean? It means they've been there before. They know what it takes to get there and they know what it takes to win. They're championship teams. And there's a lot that goes into experience and how important it is. But even though you're an experienced team, you still have to go out and win the game. You still have to go out and win the series. Experience will only take us so far because then we have to do it. And that's what is the most important thing. But it's not just important in sports to have experience. It's, in spo- it's important in business to have experience, in politics to have experience, or whatever realm of life you're talking about. When you have somebody that has a lot of experience, you'd rather have them on your side, right? Right? Now, if you go in for a surgery at Kaiser or another uh, facility, whatever it is, don't you want an experienced doctor or surgeon to work on you? Yes, you do. Don't you want somebody that's done it before and not just once or twice, but many, many times before? You want somebody that's at the top of the class, somebody that's very, very professional and knowledgeable and experienced. So experience in life is so very important. And we as believers belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and He is our head. He is our Lord and our Savior. He's our head coach. 
And he has all the resources we need and all the experience we need. And so when we walk with him, he teaches us his ways and he teaches us in life what he wants us to do. And we gain experience year after year after year of walking with the Lord. And that's beneficial experience. That's good experience. And if you're a young believer here today, God is going to do great things in your life. We know that. And you're going to gain beneficial experience with every trial you go through, with every blessing you receive, and all that God allows in your life. You're going to grow through that, and you're going to gain that experience of walking by faith with the Lord. You can't underestimate it. It's such a blessing. And the title of our message today is God's School of Experience. You know, some of us thought, well, when we graduated from high school, school was over, or we graduated from college, school is over, or higher education beyond that, maybe we got our our master's or our doctor degree, we're finished with school. Well, guess what, believers in Christ? We're still in school. But God is our teacher. The world is our classroom, and we have so much to learn, and he has so much to teach us. All if we're willing to receive it and obey him, He has so much to show us. And in God's world, in his classroom, he puts us through many different courses. And when you go to college, they give you a syllabus, right? And they tell you on the course, this is what we're going to have in the quarter, or this is what we're going to have in the semester, this is what we're going to go through. Well, if God was to give us the syllabus and give it to us right away, I think it might alarm us because he's going to have class number one, he's going to have the school of suffering. We're going to have a class on suffering. Lord, a class on suffering? Yes, a class on suffering. We're going to have a class on pain. We're going to go through a class on pain and what pain can do and how beneficial it can be in our lives. We're going to go through a class of sorrow and what it means to lose certain things near and dear to us. And God has got these classes prepared for us and he's teaching us and training us what he wants us to learn through it. Many of us would read the syllabus and said, can I drop this class? Can I take another class instead? Can I substitute it? Is there another elective I can take instead? But God's courses are perfect for us and he wants us to go through them and he wants us to trust in him and his grace to carry us through. And we learn a lot. And we learn a lot from our mistakes, don't we, in life? We go back and we say, boy, if I had that to do over again, I would not have done it that way. So I want to learn from my mistakes. And not only do I want to learn from my own mistakes, but I want to learn from the mistakes of others that I see have have made wrong choices or wrong decisions. Whether people in the Bible or people we know in life, we can learn a lot if we keep our eyes open and our ears open and look at different situations, we can learn from the mistakes of ourselves and from others. And we can learn the lessons that God teaches us. You know, the world has a term term for it when you go through things kind of like the hard way and you have to learn it the hard way. It's called the school of hard knocks. And I think some of us have had to take some classes in the school of hard knocks. We go through experiences that really hit us and really got to us. But as Christians, it's not a school of hard knocks. It's a school of experience that the Lord is training us for. 
Bill McDonald used to say that expression, and I love it so much. He says, lifetime is training time for reigning time. I like that. Lifetime is training time for reigning time. We're going to reign with Christ forever and ever. And he's preparing us and teaching us what he wants us to know and, and learn in and grow in. And that's why I love that song we sang this morning, Teach Me Thy Way, O Lord. And you know, sometimes in life, if you don't learn the lesson the second time, what happens? You've got to repeat the class. You've got to take it over again. I didn't pass it the first time. I've got to take the class over again. It's kind of embarrassing, you know. You have to go back and you have to take the same course. And I guess it would be even worse if you go back and take the same course with the same professor that you had the first time. Because he's now got his eye on you and he's going to make sure that you're going to pass that class. And he's going to be kind of tough on you. But praise God, we have a teacher. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher in the world. He's got so much patience. He's got so much compassion. So much kindness toward us. That he doesn't put us through rigorous things. He puts us through things that he knows we need to learn. He wants us to pass. He wants us to get A's. He wants us to succeed and grow in our Christian life. And I found a very good definition of experience online that says this. The act of living through an event or events. Personal involvement or an observation of events as they occur. All that has happened to one in his life to this date. Activity that involves training, observation of practice, and personal participation. Knowledge, skill, or practice resulting from this. Now, it reminds me of a few years ago of a gentleman. I'll call him a gentleman. He was a great basketball player. I'll give him that. Very talented. His name was Alan Iverson. Well, one day, Alan Iverson got himself into big trouble and went on this long, long rant because he mispracticed. He didn't give his all in practice. And so the coach was going to discipline him and and. He thought the coach was making a big deal and he has this big thing and you go on YouTube, you can listen to the whole thing. And he kept saying, this is just practice. This is just practice, practice. It's not a game. It's not the game. When the game time starts and the ball goes up and the tip and everything, I'll be there, but practice. This is rough. Why should I have to practice? Practice is important. Practice is part of the Christian life, is the day-to-day living for Christ. We can't just say, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and everything will be fine. What about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? We need practice. We need our, ourselves to be in the Word of God and to be in prayer and to be having fellowship with other Christians. We need to come to the other meetings besides just Sunday. We need to come Wednesday nights and Monday nights because this, this is like, that's our practice. That's our growth. That will help us in our Christian life. And it's so very important. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 for our main text this morning. Written by the Apostle Paul, this great letter to the Romans. And he says these words, and this should be something that's written for us, for our benefit. It says this. For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. When Paul wrote that, 
They had only the Old Testament up to the end of Malachi. And then Paul and the other brothers who were writing these letters and these books in the New Testament added those on. And so they are now in our keeping. So now we don't just have 27, the 39 books. We now have 27 more. We have 66 books in the Bible. And I thank God that it's all in one volume. He doesn't say you got 66 different books you got to carry around and in a backpack or something, right? He's given it to us all in one volume. And some of us have small little Bibles, others bigger ones, but it all fits in one Bible. And praise God that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us his word. He's given us the promises of God. And we can learn from all these experiences of the men and women of God in the Bible, as well as the men and women who went before us as believers and then all those who are alive today. And so we're thankful for that. And the things we're going to look at today is three things. Number one, who and what to learn from. Number two, what to avoid and what to embrace. And number three, why our experience is so valuable in our walk with the Lord. Well, who should we learn from? You know, those who are wise learn lessons every day from every source. You can learn from anybody. You can learn from everybody. Because as you look at a person's life, you can either learn what to do, which was a good thing, or if they did something that's wrong, you can learn what not to do. They say in, uh, in the quote goes like this, that if we do not, if we fail to remember history, we are doomed to repeat it. And that's why it's so important to learn from the experiences of others as well as our own experience because we need to not repeat the same mistakes over and over again. We thank God for the godly men and the godly women of Scripture. And when you think of people that really had experience with the Lord and walk close with the Lord and you can really say that person is an experienced Christian, experienced believer. I think of people like Abraham the man of faith who is the friend of God. I think of Moses who led the people of Israel out of Egypt and up to the promised land. I think of Daniel. Experience. They had experience with the Lord. I think of Paul in the New Testament. Just think of the experiences that he had with the Lord and how he imparted that to others and how he taught them in the New Testament. Peter. Think about Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times and the Lord could have just said, Peter, you blew it. That's the last time I'm going to have anything to do with you, Peter. And that one time I needed you, the one time I needed you to stand up for me and you didn't just deny me. You denied me not once, but twice, not twice, but three times. But the Lord forgave Peter and gave him a great life. And I would like to think by using my sanctified imagination, not knowing until we get to heaven, but I bet that when Peter used to counsel young Christians in the New Testament and shepherd them and encourage them, because the Lord told him, shepherd my sheep, tend my lamb. And he did that. I bet that he shared with them, you know, I failed the Lord. I denied him three times and Jesus forgave me of my sin. And he has chosen to use me. And if he can use me and forgive me, he can do the same for you. And I bet those young Christians really appreciated Peter's honesty. 
Because when somebody is honest with you and they tell you their own faults and their own failures and that God has brought them through and helped them to overcome them, it's a tremendous blessing. I've heard Sylvia do it in her Bible classes, too. And she's mentioned times when they were going to come back, right? They went over to Lebanon and then they came back. And and then and some experiences she had, she doesn't hold back. And we should not either, sharing our own experiences like that. And we thank God for them. And I think of the Apostle John, too, as a man with great experience. And God chose him above all the others to write the revelation on the island of Patmos. You look at those people and you say, wow, add up all the years of their experiences, their walk with the Lord, how they spent time with the Lord, how they prayed and how they led the people and they were teachers and they were godly men. And you look at their lives and you say, they're an example for me to follow that their example and to learn from them. And then you look at some of the other people in Scripture and you say, Lord, those are some bad examples. Bad examples. And he puts them there in Scripture to remind us not to follow that course of action. I think of one man in particular, his name was Ahithophel, and he was one of David's closest friends and closest advisors. He loved David very much and he served him faithfully for many years. But when the time came for Absalom to take over David's kingdom, Absalom turned on him in a heartbeat and followed Absalom instead of David. And he was known as a traitor. He was known as a traitor in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see Judas, who is the traitor. He was the betrayer. He was the one who sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. We heard at Breaking of Bread how Mary loved the Lord and she valued him so much she gave this perfume that was worth one year's worth of wages. She gave it willingly to the Lord. She considered him worth it enough to give that. Judas sold him out for just 30 pieces of silver. Sold him out. He's one you don't want to follow. Another one you don't want to follow is King Saul, who started off so good. He started off humble and good and everything. But he got his eyes off the Lord and put it on to the things of this world and started depending on himself. And he turned against the Lord. And by the time of the end of his life, he was seeking counsel from the witch at Endor for the medium. And he was seeking it that way. And then you think of our dear friend Jonah. Dear Jonah, if you had to do it all over again, would you really have gotten on that boat and tried to escape God's will and do something that you knew was not right to do? He would have said, no, I would have done God's will from the beginning. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? You can always look back and say, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. I shoulda done it different. I could have, I would have, but I didn't. And that's where we have to learn from our mistakes as well as from the mistakes of others. And we can learn from Jonah. He finally did God's will, but even at the end of his life when he did God's will, he wasn't happy, was he? Until God gave him that little plant that overshadowed him and gave him the, the shade and everything. And then the, the plant died and he was really ready to give up and quit. And the Lord says, if you had compassion for that plant, should not I have had compassion over those 120,000 people there in Assyria in this town, in the city of Nineveh? Yes, someone once said, a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man 
learns from the mistakes of others. And that's true. When we can learn not only from our own mistakes, but from the mistakes of others, we can really learn very well. Teenagers. Teenagers are very smart people. Did you know that teenagers are the smartest people in the world? And you know how I know this? Because they know everything. They know everything. Boy, if you've got a teenager, you better tap into that knowledge because... And the reason I can tell you that is because they know more than their parents, right? They know more than their teachers. They know more than their elders. But really, they know not that they know not. And that's true. And later on, the teenager grows up and then he starts to appreciate what his mom and dad taught him, right? Then he becomes a parent and he starts, boy, my parents are smarter than I ever thought they were before because they, they really did know. And, and they, they realize, they wake up to it years later. But in the beginning, they think they know it all. And we've all been there and done that, right? We've all experienced that ourselves, right? We were, have all been teenagers and we've thought that way ourselves. But we have a lot of lessons to learn. We have a lot of experiences to go through. God's not finished with us yet. We're an unfinished symphony, an unfinished work that he's working on. And someone once said this, the trouble with learning from experience is that you never graduate. It's a school you'll never graduate from, not until we get to heaven. And every day is another class and another lesson and another time to learn from the Lord. And when he does that, we should humbly receive it with thanksgiving. I like what a man named Huxley said. He said, experience is not what happens to you, but it is what you do with what happens to you. And that is so true because a lot of people in life go through a lot of experiences, but they don't have anything to show for it. Because they haven't learned from those experiences and they go through these things and it hasn't changed them at all. We want to go through experiences that will change us, will mold us, will shape us into what God wants us to be. We don't want to just go through the experience, but we want God to, we want to experience God's work in our life and learn from it. In Paul's writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 he's talking about the nation of Israel and he's warning the people there not to follow their example because they were not following the Lord at that point and in the desert they were not and it says in 1 Corinthians 10:11 now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages has come, have come so we are to learn from all Scripture. Every word, every book, every chapter has lessons for us to learn. So that's our first point today. Who we should learn from and what we should learn from. And the main thing is we should learn from the Lord. We should learn from the experiences we go through. We should learn from others that we can look up to and see as godly example. And then we should also be careful not to follow the ungodly influences and the ungodly influences influences in our life. We work with people at work. We work, we are in families of people that aren't saved and they can rub off on us and they can have a negative influence on us. We have to look to godly examples. Otherwise, we're going to make those mistakes. Secondly, what to avoid and what to embrace. You know, Peter, he learned from his failures and I'm sure Jonah did the same. 
because they were self-confident in themselves and they had to realize they can't do it on their own. Peter's problem is the same as our problem. We think we can do it in our own strength, don't we? And when the Lord told him, Peter, you're going to deny me. No, 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 Lord, I'm not going to deny you. No, 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 I won't deny you, Lord. I'll never deny you. In fact, I'll die for you. I'll die with you. And the Lord says before the rooster crows three times, you're going to twice, you're going to deny me three times. No, no, Lord, it can't happen. It won't happen. In our own flesh, we try to do things and we have no strength. We have no strength at all. We can't do it. That's why we have to live on our knees in absolute dependence on the Lord because we could fall in any time and do something wrong. That's why we have to cling to the Lord really tight and let him help us because we can't do it on our own. And in scripture, the Lord has put warning signs and warning signals up. But you know, if you don't follow the warnings, you're doomed for that. There was a story of a car that the sign was right clearly, uh, road out, don't pass, don't go this way. But the person did not listen. And he went that way and his car went off the cliff. And that's what a lot of people are doing today. God has given his message. He has given his word. People do not heed it. They go their own way and end up with bad consequences as a result. And so we have to be very careful to follow God's warnings that he gives in the scriptures. And one of the warnings that he gives is found in Proverbs chapter 1 and verses 10 to 15. And this is directed toward all our young people as well as to all of ourselves today. When he's writing here, which is Solomon, he's writing to those who he needs to give wisdom to. And he says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like shale and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in our, your lot among us. Let us have one purse. And verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. May God bless the reading of his word. Warning signals. You know, the people you work with, come on, we're going out to have a drink. Come on, have fun with us. Let's go. Let's have it. Let's enjoy it. I'm sorry, I can't go. You have to say no. If you say yes, even once, and you say, well, I'm going to go. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to participate with them, but I'm going to go. You are going on to the wrong turf. You are going to the wrong place. And that's why we have to take a stand. And that's why we have to, to heed God's warnings because we can fall. And we can also be a bad testimony to those around us. It's a warning to each and every one of us. I like to think of it this way. We have to be on guard 24-7 to preserve our testimony and to preserve our walk with the Lord in obedience to his word. If it looks like a rat and it walks like a rat and it smells like a rat, what is it? It's a rat. Now, Satan kind of dresses these things up and he makes them look real shiny and real bright and real colorful in the world today. And these sins that don't seem 
they seem to be as bad and oh, and they package them differently, but it's still sin. It looks like a rat, it walks like a rat, and it smells like a rat. And we have to be discerning to know between the difference between good and evil. You know, Joseph in the Old Testament didn't have the advantage that we have today of having the whole Bible. But one thing he did is he loved the Lord and he stuck to the Lord. Even though he was in Egypt, he was sold by his brothers, he was in slavery, he was in Potiphar's house. And then all of a sudden Potiphar's wife has eyes for him. She keeps trying to entice him day after day after day. And he said, no, 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 no. And so finally, she didn't want to take no for an answer. And she grabs him and, 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 and his coat and he leaves his coat behind and she falsely accused him. He goes to prison, but he maintained his integrity. He maintained it and he would not give in to the temptation. First Timothy 6.11 says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience gentleness. That's what we should flee, flee evil and pursue good. And God will richly bless us. The more experience we have with the Lord, the more we can trust him and the more he can encourage us. I did find this old Jewish proverb and it's kind of funny when you think about it, but it says this experience is a comb which nature gives to men when they are bald. (laughs) Can you Experience is a comb that nature gives to men who are bald. Now, you say, what good is a comb to men who are bald, right? And that's kind of true. If you look back, you can't go back and change your experiences from the past. But we can learn from them, we can grow from them, and we can trust the Lord through the experiences that he does for us. Someone once said, experience has two things to teach us. First, how many things we have to correct in our life. And number two, that there there is things that we can correct too much. So we want to make sure that when the things we're doing wrong, we correct them. But the things we're right, we don't change those things. We continue to do right consistently every day. And that's what experience teaches us. You know, when you think about these different creatures in the world, it's not easy to to to, to lose sight of it because remember... Snakes bite. Spiders bite. That's why we don't like them, right? Snakes bite. Spiders bite. And you can't think that maybe this time the snake won't bite me, right? Or maybe this time the spider won't bite me because they do. And that's the way sin is. It's always going to do that. We can't think of it as happening any other way whatsoever. And we trust the Lord that through experience... We've come to know the evil on the one side and the good on the other. And will we stand with the good? That's what we want to do. And just because some people are great athletes, movie stars and politicians, they come up on the talk show, right? Now, you ask a basketball player about basketball and that's fine. He's an expert on it. I love to hear them talk. Kobe Bryant, he has a blog and he talks to the players and explains things to them and analyzes their their play and so forth. Movie stars, they're really good in their field. They win Academy Awards. If they're talking about movies and things like that, we listen to them. It carries a lot of weight. But when they start spouting off ideas about other things, 
politics and things they know nothing about. We don't have to listen to that. We don't have, we have to question it because just because they're a movie star or just because they're an athlete or just because they're a celebrity doesn't mean we should listen to everything they say as gospel, right? We listen to the word of God. We listen to godly people. We don't listen to them just because they're great in this world. Their opinion is really no more important than any others. And then finally, why experience is so valuable? Because when the Lord has been with us in the past and he has delivered us and he has provided for us and he has encouraged us and he has a great track record, we can look back at those experiences as being golden. And we have seen what God has done. And what he has done in the past, he will do in the future. And God is so good. And I love to see the men and women of God who trusted him through all the past and through all the present. And when God has done something for us in our lives, we can draw upon that experience. We can draw upon that faith. Our faith grows. We mature and we find God to be everything we need for us. I like the story of what happened with David one day when he was going up to fight against the Philistines. And every time David would go to fight the battle of the Lord, he would always pray. Now, that, that shouldn't surprise us because David was undefeated. If you read through the Bible, every battle that David fought, David won because he prayed and he trusted God. The only time David ever experienced defeat was with the issue of Bathsheba. That was a defeat. And when he numbered the people when he wasn't supposed to do it. So his experience was when he prayed and trusted God, he had the victory. But when he didn't and he went off on his own with Bathsheba, with numbering the people, he regretted it and he lived with the consequences of it. Well, in this story today, I love the story in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 23 to 25, because God changed it this time. He says, I'm not going to just send you straight up against the Philistines, but here's what I want you to do, David. So it says, therefore, David inquired of the Lord and he said, you shall not go up, circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. Verse 25, and David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gizar. Yes, David had a, he learned a lesson that day. That God does not always send you up the same way every time. He may change it. And I like what Gina used to say. God surprises me sometimes. And he does. Because he doesn't do it all the time the same way. And we may have had experience in the past of how God worked. But maybe he's going to do something different this time. Maybe he's going to surprise us. Maybe he's going to do something in such a magnificent way that we say, Wow, Lord, you've never done that that way before. But that's what he did with David. He gave him the victory and he trusted God for it. But just by having experience does not mean that that's going to give us the victory. We have to still trust the Lord. That dear brother John Newton, who is that slave owner who got saved and wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace, said this. I will not I will live not on past experience. It will not assist me. I must live by the day, by the hour, and by the second. 
on God. Recollecting I had a good meal this week will not feed me today. I must have new food or I will starve. So it goes to show that our experience is very important, but we've got to take that experience and now in the present, we have to obey God, trust in Him, and rely on Him fully. Past experience will show us how faithful God has been. And now we have to trust Him and be obedient to Him now and He will do His will. To conclude our message this morning, let's remember that we're in God's school of experience. There's a number of classes on the syllabus, as we said. The school of pain, the school of affliction, the school of sorrow, and all these things that we take into account. God has much to teach us, much to train us in. We haven't arrived yet. I liked what Roland Hill used to say. Here was a man a hundred years old. And he says, I don't know it all. Now, if Roland Hill at a hundred years old didn't know it all, how am I coming along as a spring chicken at the age of 61? How am I going to say, well, I know it all. I don't know it all. And in Brother Adel and, and Sister Sylvia, they'll tell you the same thing. Bill will tell you the same. Mike will tell you the same thing. We don't know it all. This side of heaven, we can never really know it all. But from our experience, from our walk with the Lord, from trusting in Him and walking with Him, we can obey Him and trust Him and say, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation, but I'm going to trust You. I've never faced it before. Or maybe we can say we did face it before. But whether we faced it before or not faced it before, God has a track record. His track record is perfect. He's totally faithful. And we can say with the hymn writer, Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. And what a great teacher he is, and he's so compassionate. I'd ask you the question this week. With God as your teacher, and the grades came out this week, how did you do? What grade did they give you? You know, back in, when I was in college, back in the last century, we used to, <laughs> we used to finish the class, and they used to post the grades up on the, on the door. But they didn't put your name and they didn't put your grade. They put it by the code of your, like, I don't know if I, they used the social security number or they did some kind of thing so that nobody would know, but you could know yourself. You could read your grade. And God is like that too. He does everything privately with us. When we go to be with the Lord and we go the first stop to the judgment seat of Christ, it's not going to be public in front of everybody to embarrass us. No, but he's going to say, here's what you did. Here's what you didn't do. Here's the rewards I'm giving you. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And it's going to be such a blessing. He's not going to write it up there in the clouds for everybody to see our failures and our mistakes as well as our good things we've done. He does it all privately at that time. And we're in God's school of experience. And we haven't graduated yet. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, today we pray that you will teach us from your word every day, Lord. Lord, help us to be humble knowing that we can't do it on our own. We can't make it on our own. This flesh is going to let us down. The Lord Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Lord, we need your help every day and we pray that you will teach us. We pray that you will build our faith bank up, Lord, as we learn through experiences that we have gone through with you. Help us, Lord, to when we fall, to get up. When we go through difficult and sorrowful and, and trying times, help us to to cling to you, Lord. And we pray that you'll have your way in our lives. And we thank you that you are the best teacher, Lord Jesus. 
And we're in your school. And we pray, Lord, until you take us home to heaven, that we will continue to learn and grow and obey you and follow you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.